Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This fan base is amazing. The city of Cincinnati is amazing, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Desmond fakes a handoff right to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown! Bearcats! 20, 25, fourth middle of the field at the 35, and he is gone! Trey Tucker will take it 98 yards to the house. Howdy folks, welcome back to Viva La Cats. I am your host, Justin Hiles, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Bauer, and we are here to bring you the very best of the Bearcats every single week in our daily episodes, daily, sorry, weekly episodes. Daily? We don't put out that much content, as well as our uh, weekly spaces. So join us there on Twitter. And speaking of spaces, we have a recent one for you after the Bearcats win in a gritty road game against Howard, 86 to 81. Catch all of that here now. The Bearcats got the dub. Um, I don't know if much else matters. Uh, trap game. We've seen it before. Uh, I'm sure it's not going to be the last time we see it again. But that's definitely why you don't go to play in high school gyms. We learned this from the American Athletic Conference. I don't know why we continue to schedule these games. <laughs> Honestly, throughout this entire game, it was a little bit of a uh, whirlwind to say the least, but I think the most interesting part of this entire game was just the fact that there was zero ability to take over. And there was zero ability to like show the dominance that we've shown through every single game. Um, but with all of that said, no matter how ugly it looks, it is an away game. The Bearcats got down. They went in a long skid without any scoring, and they showed the resilience in order to stuff a comeback and ultimately win the game on the road um, in a very tough environment. Howard is no slouch. Um, and uh, I, I think that this is going to be a really crucial uh, experience for the Bearcats early on in the season, because you go into Sintasin, what, uh, like 10, nine, 10 days, uh, you're going to need that experience moving forward. So again, um, you got to feel good that they figured out a way to win it. You're probably not feeling good about the whole game overall, but Bearcats find a way to win in overtime against Howard. Ugly game, but a victory is a victory is a victory. And the Bearcats start off six and zero, 
their first road game is a dub. 81. Hey, Justin, um, let me just say this. There's an old college football term that I'm going to apply to college basketball here. You got to win your clunkers. Uh, Guess what the Bearcats just did? They won a clunker. Guess what Xavier did not do last night? They lost their – they did not win their clunker. They They lost their clunker. (laughs) So I would rather be on the winning side of a clunker than on the losing side. Oh, and I just said that just as Coop joined, so shout out to Coop. Uh, Xavier (laughs) lost. UC won tonight. Uh, Down votes in the chat from Coop. Anyway. Um, Justin, we've seen this early enough in the season from West the last few years. Tough game at Miami. Uh, to, uh, I think it was game five of the 21-22 season. Uh, and then the la- last year, obviously, the NKU debacle, that was, uh, that was rough. But, you know, I, I think these kind of games, uh, you're going to get these kind of crazy games in the Big 12, in the conference tournament, in a potential postseason tournament. So, you, you might as well just get this experience out of the way now because you might as well just have that under the belt. And these guys are still gelling together, obviously. Uh, I think it's a good thing for them to get a little taste of that environment before they go to uh, the, that team across the city uh, to play there because that is going to be a tough game. Uh, there's It's going to be a tough game as well at the uh, – uh, the Heritage Bank Arena against Dayton, uh, where you're not at home, you're at you're in a different arena. So um, maybe like less heart attacks next time, Wes. Uh, if we're gonna play one of these early season games, uh, but I, you know, win your clunkers. Yeah, I gotta say, man. Like as ugly as this game was, I am, I I'm honestly elated that we got this game out of the way very early, because. This happens, like you said, every single season. This has happened under John Brennan, under Mick Cronin as well. Like, we had some early games that were supposedly supposed to be very easy and found a way to make them very scary, very early in the season. And I think, like I said, I come back to that. You have to be able to show that resilience and you have to be able to show an ability to come back when you're down and when things are looking really ugly. You have to find a way to end up winning that game. And I think... Uh, that's going to be my biggest takeaway from today. Um, but, you know, <clears throat> aside from that, um, I, I think it just, this game looked like it was a lack of a lot of fundamentals. And I, I think that, you know, our rebounding looked really messy. Our timing um, with shots kind of looked odd. We didn't really get a lot of good looks. Our layups were just kind of all over the place. I felt like a lot of the guys were just hucking it up, especially when we got into the paint. Um, and it just didn't really feel like we had a lot of solid shots. And it, it, it just overall was a very sloppy game. Um, and of course, I think that is to be expected in your first road game of the year, um, especially when this is your first road game for a lot of these guys, too. Of course, everything they've played in so far is a big environment with fifth third. You got a lot of people there. However, um, you know, that can change really fast when you're not used to that. So I think just for this, getting these guys to gel. Um, and, and find a way to play together and find a way to win against that adversity, I think is going to be huge. And I, I really hope that this is the wake-up call that they needed to just kind of look at that game, take a step back. You got Florida Gulf Coast, and then, of course, you have the shootout. Um, you know, So between the next game and the upcoming one that we're all you know earmarking here, you got to figure some stuff out. Um, but I, I think you know it's just – figuring out what those issues are and making sure that 
when you're moving forward uh, past this game that you find a way to snuff out those problems very quickly because and you're you're not going to shoot three you're not going to shoot three for 18 again from three uh you're not going to shoot like xavier again from three uh uh, on especially on the road weird gym weird place to go um haven't really i don't think anybody they've only had three power five teams there since 2000 so um it just you know obviously everybody was excited for that game howard wearing the special uniforms you know um I think the thing that stands out to me, Justin, is points in the paint. Uh, 54 to 34 for the Bearcats. Um, shout out to Victor Lockin and Aziz and then all those guys for taking care of the advantage because that is kind of the advantage right there. Although Howard made six more threes than us, um, my math tells me that's 18 points. We had 20 more points in the paint. So, and, you know, a couple more, five more free throws. But I, I do think that, you know, they, needed to find a way to win and this is just a tough like it's tough for a team to go on the road for the first time uh, especially in a true road game and not in like an mte setting and go ahead and be together enough to pull out the dub because there's there's a lot of transfers on this team justin there's a lot of guys that are not really gelling together right now um probably and you know obviously the georgia tech game was the height of what they can do and hopefully this is like the bottom of what the least that they can do and still win a game yeah, that's a that's a huge part too, and and I mean I think when you look forward um, past this game throughout the season, um, you know you're trying to find that low uh, pretty early, and, and hopefully that does not sneak up on you. Like I said later on, um, and of course I think you know one of the things that I noticed in this game too was um, even with Howard being sort of the uh, at the advantage of having the home team there, um, they still committed a lot of fouls. And I think that's one thing that I'm going to be a little bit particular about moving forward. Um, you, you just can't, you can't expect every team to foul as much as they did. Um, and I think that honestly, that kept us in the game throughout a lot of uh, those slumps and sort of those longer runs where we just weren't scoring. Um, it, you know, you have two guys fouling out of the game, darn near four. Um, it, it's, you're not going to get that every week. So um, I think that that was really a huge, huge difference here. And you just got to make sure that you're taking care of it, um, you know, moving forward and staying on the right side of that stat as well. Um, but, you know, another thing here that I wanted to point out, um, you know, you mentioned the threes. Overall, you know, both teams are uh, – Howard shot exactly 50%. Bearcats about 48.5 um, from the floor. You know, it's – Sometimes you're going to have the nights where you're shooting like 65% and sometimes you're going to have the nights where you're shooting in the forties as a team. Um, And again, just having the adversity, um, beating the adversity in this game, I think is going to be huge and just making sure that, um, you know, you take care of business moving forward because this was one of those take care of business games. um, And, you know, albeit, you know, not an optimal situation playing in an environment like that, having to go on the road when normally you would play that at home. Um, you just figure it out. And, you know, luckily enough tonight, the Bearcats did and, uh, they spared us, but man, I just want to, how many other teams are going to have a 26 year old dude playing against us too, though? Like ninth year, uh, senior who probably should just go get a job at an enterprise rent a car, you know, because they have a great corporate structure. (laughs) So um, (laughs) stepbrothers joke there for everybody. Uh, let's get our guests in guys. Uh, Hunter, you go ahead and then Brendan, uh, Brendan, come on in after him. What's up, Hunter? guys? I, feel like i'm the only one who's super excited about this win and like that's not knocking on anybody but last year's team does not win that game 
Yeah, completely that's agree. Not a, and that's not a knock on last year's team. But like, I think the big like, – I think the major factor in this game was Howard came out and I think they were a lot more physical with Vic and Aziz than our guys thought they were going to be. They weren't intimidated by the size. They went right at them. And like as much as you can do that, Aziz and Vic still did their jobs. But I think that was a real shock for them. And then not losing their composure when Howard came back and got the lead kind of later on in the second half. They stayed composed. They kept making plays. They kept executing the offense. And then going into overtime, even after they hit that big three to go into overtime, stayed composed, kept doing the game plan, worked the ball in, get fouled, make your free throws. This team executed down the stretch, which is something that I don't think we've seen from a Bearcat team in a while. And it makes me super happy because that is a huge, like, test for them to be like, okay, like, when nothing's going right, we can win games and still put up 88 points. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I completely agree with that. I think this is probably the product of a more senior laden team this year, um, a more experience. Um, and also just like, you know, our guys are, have just been through the fire of last year and um, no offense to the guys on the team last year. I think they, they played great and we love DDJ and Landers, but um, I don't think there's as much hero ball this year. Now, maybe that doesn't mean that there's a go-to score at the end of these games, but we'll see how that develops at the end of this year. And maybe we'd like, they're, they're able to just lock down and play some great defense and get a couple good free throws. Um, I, you know, Skilling's led the way for the Bearcats tonight. I don't know if you want to trust a, a sophomore right now to be your go-to guy, but, man, like, I, I completely agree, Hunter. I'm not down on him at all. I, I really like it. I like like I said earlier, win your clunkers and keep keep that zero in the loss column. So Well, real quick, real quick here, you make a good point there, Hunter, too. Um, just about the change in the way that, the Bearcats are scoring when you're looking at using your advantage of Aziz and Vic. Uh, I mean, if you're trying to look for a go-to score, they're trying to get the ball in the paint at the end of the game. And like, I, I think that that's a huge dynamic shift between what you had last year, because, you know, I, last year you're, you're giving it to DDJ trying to huck up a shot, you know, at the top of the key, you're giving it to Davenport praying that I'll make a three. You're giving it to Landers Nolly praying that'll make a jumper, like having a guy down low that can just dunk the ball, that can just go in, do a little post move, and try to get something clean to finish out a game. That's a huge advantage that was just near non-existent last year. You had Vic, but usually in these games, Vic had already fouled out. Vic was already out of the game. And then on top of that, when you move forward and you're expecting some of these games to be close, you know, it's you don't really have a game plan other than just give the ball to DDJ and pray that something happens. You have a system that benefits all guys. And I think all guys are willing and able to take the shot, but you have the paint presence down low. And that is a massive, massive upgrade over last year. Go ahead, Brennan. Yeah, I would agree with everything that everyone was just saying. I also want to point out though, that, um, when you look back at the past teams, like you were just saying, David DeJulius, we are relying on him for so much scoring, and now it's so much of an upgrade. Think back even to the Mick Cronin teams. We had Evans, Gary Clark, Jaron Cumberland. Those were our three main scorers, and everybody else chipped in. Maybe we were lucky to get 10 from someone on the bench. But we have multiple players. I mean, even tonight, you're looking 
at the stat sheet and you have multiple players over 10 points. You have a Bandago, Skillings, Lukosius, Newman, Lockin. They're all getting big buckets. So we're not just one dimensional on offense anymore. And like I said, even going back to the Mick Cronin teams, we always played good defense. That was never our defense kept us in every game. We just weren't having the consistent scoring that we need that a lot of the bigger programs have. And like you guys were saying, you know, teams that have been in the fire, like when we would get into the postseason, we would get in these offensive slumps. And now we have guys that have been through it. We adjust mid game and we can have multiple guys go get us buckets. If someone's not feeling it, another guy can pick up the scoring. And also with having Bandego and let's not even forget, we don't even have Jameel Reynolds yet. So that's another guy that could possibly be giving you 10 points a night, 10 rebounds easily, easily. And I think that's going to be massive going into the Big 12. And what I would also say is if we play like we did tonight in the Big 12, we might not win a single conference game. I mean, but this is what we've wanted for the people that have stayed with Bearcats basketball and live, breathe it. We've wanted to be in the league where we can compete with the best teams every year. And if you look up and down the Big 12, there's nothing but top 10 teams, top 15 teams. I mean, half of our conference is ranked in the top 10. That was just, you know, my little take. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I like. I think we've always wanted this level of competition, and like, it's 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 going to be a bloodbath this year. I mean, our guy Doug uh, D E Smith on Twitter tweeted out how we have ten teams in the top fifty in Ken Palm, and that's not even including Arizona and Colorado, uh, who are also uh, pretty and damn Steve, good right and now. And Steve, think about that. That's massive because we were going against USF, Central Florida. Yep. None of those teams were second round tournament teams. None of those teams were teams that were actually going to, you know, prepare us for tournament play. And we look great against those teams. It's easy to be a top 10 team when you're playing teams that aren't even in the second round of the tournament at the end of the year. Yeah, for sure. We're going to be battle tested by the end of the year. Why don't we get Chris in here? Chris, former podcast guest. Chris, what's up, man? What's up? This is my first time ever doing one of these spaces. Chris, my boy. I saw saw your guys. So I was like, I'm going to jump in here. I got. I agree with everything Hunter and Brennan said, man. Hunter, you are correct in the fact that like we needed this. Like I, I wanted to see this team battle tested from the, the jump. Obviously, didn't expect it to be like first game of the year against HBCU Howard. Uh, but uh, you know, it is what it is. We're we we got the dub. That's it. But Jizzle James, man, what an absolute stud of a freshman coming off the bench and and really just sparking that team there right before obviously uh, the overtime but that's what my question is is what happened you know he he went he kind of was incredible there and then they they took him out and I don't know if that's because they they believe that Day Day is defensively better I'm, I'm not sure there um, but Dan, but like like they both said Dan Skillings and, and Victor Locken they're, they're going to be, I mean, the leadership that Dan Skilling shows, especially like like we were just saying, he's coming off the bench and he's he's outperforming everybody in effort. Uh, defensively, offensively, he is he is my my MVP of that game. He just he just came to play um, in all aspects. But, um, yeah, I, I just wanted your thoughts on Jizzle James and, and what, what we saw. And also, I don't know if we ever got an update because – we didn't. I, I actually turned the announcers off uh, at halftime 
because I, I couldn't stand to hear it anymore. Um, but uh, I uh, didn't hear what happened to Lacocious, um, and uh, didn't know if you guys had an update or anything like that or heard anything about that um, from, from, what, from what we saw on the court there. I didn't see anything uh, specifically on Seamus, but um, I do have a point A and B uh, on Jizzle. I really do question, is there any other freshman that has made this significant of a contribution uh, as a freshman since Jaron Cumberland? Like, of course, he's not shooting in the exact same way, but has there ever been since then somebody who has had that much of an impact on the court and changes the game and it's that reliable on the court? Um, so, um, real quick, real, real quick, Wes just answered that question, Chris. Um, like, so he, he noted that Jizzle James played well, but stuck with data at the end of the game because of maturity and experience was honest. It not, it may have not been the right call. So good, good on Wes for admitting that he might not have made the right call. There. That's my head coach. That's my head coach. Yeah. And on top of that, say that the whole point with Jizzle James, just to jump in is this guy is the highest recruit and let's remind ourselves that he committed and that's what got everybody else that we got. And that's what kind of sparked the spark back into Bearcats basketball. And I think that hasn't been around since the day of Jaron Cumberland, you know, Evans, Gary Clark, where we knew that we would be a good team. But I think nationally it was massive to get him to sign, especially our first year in the big 12. And he's going to be a hell of a player. I mean, I, I know a lot of people probably don't know what I do. Uh, like I, I, that, I'm I'm usually at UC late night hours with our team and practice like that. But I mean, this kid is in the gym midnight, one o'clock in the morning when we're still there practicing, getting up shots. Like, and I I've seen it multiple times. I actually messaged Chad Brendel about it because I was so impressed with how much effort. I went up to the kid. I was like, dude, I've never seen anybody, and I've been coaching now for two and a half, three years going on. I've never seen a kid in the gym like that just after hours putting in the effort and the work. It's it's actually so awesome to see, and that's what we want to see out of our Bearcat basketball team, especially now we're in the Big 12. Dog. Certified dog. Let me, let me uh, you know, this is going to take this in the left field, but Chris, you also mentioned the announcers, and I just wanted to give them a moment on this uh, spaces because I honestly – I wanted to turn it off so bad, but there were so many calls in this game that were just so insane and like somewhat enjoyable in a way that like is just cringe but awkward but also funny. Like I just don't I don't even know how to describe it, but I feel like they stole the show so many times in this game. Someone somebody somebody said on Twitter, I don't know who said it, but uh, they were like, I I'm actually almost enjoying the misery that they're like, I, I can't even remember what the tweet was, but they were almost enjoying it. I, I, I couldn't even turn it back on. I, every time I heard Lake in or the bears, I, I, I was, it was incredible. I, I just, it was it, like you said, it was, it was almost to a point of like, what, what is happening right now? And then Which one was worse? Was the Bowling Green one worse or was this one worse? I'd say this one, like no offense to these kids. I'm sure they were trying hard, but man, like that was rough. Dizzle James, the son yeah. of Edgerton James. He had so many, like, just one-liners. It was incredible. Like, oh, and out in the house. And I, it, the yeah, house. Insane. And I don't mean to get off track here, but and this will be the last thing I say before I get off of here. But uh, also, Georgia Tech taking down number 21 Mississippi State tonight. 
I believe that's confirmed. Am I right? Am I right? Um, I think they took him down in one of their, their tournament tonight. Um, so that's a huge up. That, I mean, that's huge ups for Georgia Tech one because we heard West talk post game about Georgia Tech and their young guys and everything like Chris, that. Chris, just real so, quick, that is confirmed. Okay, perfect. So, like, that's – I mean, that's big ups for, you know, our home court environment and the Bearcats taking care of business again against a team that – you know, probably, again, had one of those off nights, but we, you know, that was a lights-out game for the Bearcats, and we hope to expect more of those when it comes to those Big 12 home games against Texas and, and the, uh, the you know, all the other teams that are going to be coming in here. So um, thanks for having me, guys. Have a good night. Yeah, you too, Chris. One thing I want to add, too, to that. Um, so Georgia Tech wins that game by eight. Uh, I believe it was the uh, – I think it was 57, uh, 60 – 67-59. 67-59, thank you. Um, but if you look back a little bit, too, I want people to remember this because we did talk about this last week. Uh, Howard and Georgia Tech did play this year, and I think this was the thing that I was trying to like get the metric of how to measure this game going into it. And the only way that I could see fit was looking at the final score from when we played Georgia Tech, which was 89-54. to Howard lost to Georgia Tech 88-55. to so somewhere the math is not mathing, but I see we 88 to Georgia 85. Tech. Yeah, 88 to 85. Did I? Sorry, did I say that wrong? You said 55, dude. Come yeah, on. yeah. Sorry, I was no, 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 no. Come no, you're on, good. You're man. Good. Too many beers. Yeah, I was sorry. Get him out of the host, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on, man. 85. And it's one of those things where you're just trying to figure out, it's like, all right, where's the disconnect here? Because I understand that it is a road game. But that was one of the things that I just was really trying to figure out as I'm watching this game like slug on. And the Bearcats really never really taking more than maybe a five-point lead for most of any of it. And, you know, just having so much of a back and forth with Howard, you'd expect that this game would probably just start to kind of fall into Cincinnati's favor. But here we are. I, I have a point on that. Um, we made three threes all by CMOS. That was it. Everybody else missed every single three that we took and towns went off dude he made some really difficult shots that th those are just momentum swinging shots like brought the momentum back to him they, they made some tough shots they shot like you said like what 50 percent from the floor i mean it i don't like the bas basketball math doesn't always math correctly because like nova lost the pen but i mean it, it any like college basketball is great like that because any team can beat any team on any given night, and that's why I think this win is so huge, just because we found a way to win when we did not play well at all. And Hunter, to add on to that real quick, we lost or we beat Howard by a close margin, but let's also remember the margin was very close, and Georgia Tech played Howard at Georgia Tech, so let's see how well we would have played at home. And to see the difference on the score with that as well. That's a very good point. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, just for more cross-referencing here, Howard played Bryant and lost by six at Bryant. Bryant does come to uh, fifth third uh, the week after. Uh, they are the in-between game between X and Dayton. And, uh, man, they beat FAU. So that's going to be another tough game. I was about to text Justin that today. But um, next game against Florida Gulf Coast. And then we all know what's coming. Next Saturday, uh, the December 9th, I don't even want to say their name, uh, but you know what's coming. 
you know, here's the thing though. I think like we we should take some solace in that and like and I don't think I think everybody's pretty happy on this space like I got to say. Like I think maybe that's just the difference between like, you know, with UC football how we've been pretty successful the last few years and then when we win like a one score game people are upset but then with UC basketball where we haven't been as successful we like win a really tight game on the road and people are excited i i think like there's definitely some positive momentum around the cats right now and you know i i think it would have been hurt by a loss tonight even like no matter how close it was but um again you're not going to have a dude who's 26 uh on his i don't know maybe his seventh year of college uh, going off for uh, 24 against you again. So obviously you have to add real quick, just to add to that though, like you're talking about the hype between basketball and football. Let's think about this. So we played Kansas. It was senior night. Um, Bearcats fans still showed out, sold out stadium, you know, terrible record. Probably were known that we were going to lose. We had a five star, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, five or four star recruit visiting that game that night we got completely blown out, but our basketball team, you know, even after all the switchover and turnover from Brandon to Wes Miller, giving him a few years to get into his system, we still had enough hype to get a Jizzle James to commit. And the other guy that I'm Rayvon Griffin to commit, which is also weird why he's not playing. I think it might be a freshman thing, but also to have those two guys commit. Yeah. To have those guys commit early, Going into the Big 12, I think that's absolutely massive that we still have that hype around our program, even though we just had a four or five star in the building for football. That was a football commit and we got blown out. There's still hype about basketball. And I, I want to ask this question because, Steve, you mentioned the 26 uh, year old. And I want to just know, has anybody checked on BYU? Because they are doing very well. And I just want to make sure it has nothing to do with those 26, 25 year olds playing against 18, 19 year olds. Um Oh, BYU fans are not going to like you for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to. Uh, no. big, big ups to them, too, because they are doing quite well uh, against, you know, some expectations. And I'm excited to play them because that's going to be our kickoff for the Big 12 uh, conference play. So looking forward to that, too. Uh, Brennan, your point about Rayvon, uh, I think Wes said in um, the press conference that he's not going to play him until he's sure he's absolutely ready because with the depth that we have, he doesn't want to waste a year of his college eligibility. Now he said if he works his way like up the depth chart and proves that he's ready, then he'll play. But he said that before then, unless something crazy happens. Right, because you want to keep the red shirt. But my point is, when was the last time there was a player that was as good as Rayvon that sat the bench because we had other good players ahead of him? Like, let's think back to the last time that happened at Cincinnati. It's been a long time, and I think that's a really good sign. Oh yeah, it's great. It's a great sign. It's it speaks volumes to what Wes has done and his vision for Bearcat basketball. Well, I, and let's yeah. not act too like you know that this isn't a guy who could absolutely just say you know screw this, I'm going to go somewhere else. But at the same time, he's got that Cincinnati kid in him, and I, I really think that that is a huge advantage here when you can just you know look to Wes's system, look to the success that they're seeing so far, see what they're building towards. Um, and just kind of, you know, be able to preach that to Rayvon and be like, hey, man, you know, it, it might it might not be exactly what you expected out the gate, but you can have a long career here and you can be the guy. We just have to wait a little bit. And, and if you're willing to wait with that and you're willing to have that patience, 
that can be yours. And I think that like just being able to have guys who can buy into that is huge. And, and so hopefully, you know, all goes well with him and keeping him around, um, you know, throughout a very interesting world that we're navigating. Um, I don't want to even get into football because there's been a lot of transfer portal stuff, but we are in a very new age of college athletics in general. Um, and so those guys that are a hundred percent bought in, um, don't always stay that way. So I'm really hoping that, uh, you know, for Rayvon that he's got the, um, yeah. And to that point, though, stick with it to that point though. Um, do you think there was, there had to have been meetings about like once they picked up the Jizzle James commit and they saw how mature he was, there had to be conversations about, Hey, we're going in this direction, but you can still be the guy. Like he has to know that, right? Like, that's yeah. not a shocker that they just didn't start him. You know what I mean? Like, that wasn't yeah. a total shock to him. Well, here's the thing, too, that I think is interesting. So last year, actually, um, he played out in Arizona out by me, and I got to go see him play. And it was weird that he did not really play as much as some of the other kids on the team, even though how high his recruiting ranking was and everything. He was really not getting that many minutes. Um, and, and, like, he was playing good defensive minutes. He was able to include some offense. I mean, this is a high school game, too, so it's not really the same, but – um, you know, I think he's probably just got to like just develop a little bit more, maybe get a little bit stronger because, you know, he's not exactly. I mean, Jizzle is able to uh, step right in because we are in need of a point guard. But, you know, we've we've got some options. And at look that. at Jizzle's body. Jizzle's body is not an average freshman body. Uh, he looks like he was uh, the, he's the son of an NFL running back, as you may have heard. <laughs> literally, 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 like a literally, running literally, back on a football. Yeah. You're on a look, literally, court. we had running back transfers. We might want to give him a look. Hey, I mean, you know, it could happen. Like double, double sport might as well. Give him I mean, the old Connor Barwin. Yeah. So, um, here's like, I mean, you know, we don't really have a need to play Rayvon right now, just because we've got some some wings right now who are able to give us quality minutes and are more experienced in college basketball. And I think Rayvon probably just needs to bulk up a little bit. I mean, I don't want to tell him to you know, get in the weight room or anything, but like, it's, it's probably just an experience thing and, and like just. There's probably just not as much playing time there, but I'm not really too worried about it. Like there's, you know, Wes is probably like, I would just from everything we've heard from these guys, Wes is a stand-up coach, like would, and is able to talk to these guys. He's a player's coach. So I'm sure that's been communicated to him. And let's give another shout out too, because the absolute strength coach that we've contained at UC, he's doing a hell of a job. I mean, when you look at Dan Skilling's body, Victor Lockin's body, there's no way that Lockins playing these minutes last year. He fouled out. He was winded, and we subbed him a lot. He's playing a lot of minutes, and Dan Skilling looks like a man amongst boys out there. He's hooping. Yeah. He's definitely he's, hooping. He's hooping. Uh, Q, I want to get you in here, man. What's yeah, up? I just wanted to jump in to say um, I think the last person, the last recruit that good or freshman that good that redshirted was – what Kilpatrick and I like I think I, I think it's Kilpatrick it's been a long time I want to say then. Kilpatrick or Jacob Evans well uh Trey Scott did redshirt I mean he's obviously the big man not really yeah. that same position but, yeah. but I mean if Rayvon follows that path of what of Kilpatrick that would be insane I mean yeah there's crazy depth I don't really see him getting in so the, the redshirt if, if he redshirts and it turns out like Kilpatrick I'll take that any day of the week. I think anybody would take that. A 2,000-point score, uh, that'd be quite nice. I think I think one of the biggest things that I want to, you know, kind of just cap us off with here 
Um, you know, when you're talking about Rayvon, when you're talking about the future here, again, you know, there's a lot of depth at that position. And I think where you kind of look at his situation now, and especially from Wes's perspective, is you've got a lot of older guys that you can start. You have a lot of guys right now that are filling in that gap, that are grad transfers, that have one year of eligibility left, um, which is this season. And I think you just kind of want to give those guys those minutes and know that your system will work and that you can get this guy as much experience with these seniors as possible. So that way he is geared up and ready to go and you just, you know, pull and plug him directly into your offense next year. I think there's a legitimate chance that with the cycle of this team between CJ going, John Newman's going to be going. I don't think CJ has another year of eligibility. This is his last one. So between two of those guys there at the two or three, you have a guy that you can drag, drag and drop into that offense and can you know really get things clicking really fast. And you don't have to burn an year of eligibility and you have a guy that you can build on for another four seasons. Like that's a right. huge, huge advantage. So there's no reason at all to just burn a year of his eligibility to play behind these other guys when he might get, you know, anywhere between, I don't know, two to maybe eight minutes a game when you can just put him in a maybe starting position or a second lineup position and get him going real early next season. And for the following three seasons after that, like that's just so much more of an advantage with a guy who's as talented as his, as he is, you just have to keep him bought in. And I also would say to that, when's the last time that we've had um, power five guys of those levels that want to transfer and commit to UC? That's also a great time. Yeah, I mean, and this is—I mean, this is just the new field that we play in now. You know, this Kyle is the Washington, big baby. But we've talked a bunch on this one. Um, we've been here for a while. Very, very nice to have so many guys speaking in here. Nice to see a lot of new faces. Um, if you're not already, make sure to follow us here at Viva the Cats. Uh, make sure to check out our weekly podcast as well as these spaces, which we try to do most games. Um, so we'll be here as often as we can. But thank you all for tuning in this week. It was a pleasure having you on. Uh, Bearcats, again, uh, get away with one in a little bit of an ugly fashion. But a win's a win's a win. Bearcats start 6-0 and off of an 86-81 win over Howard on the road. Looking forward to Florida Gulf Coast later this week, as well as Xavier uh, coming up here soon. So be on the lookout for that. Aside from that, go Bearcats and Viva the Cats, baby. Find a way to win. Let's go, Cats. Get that dub. And we're back. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Um, We sure as hell did. It was a lot of fun just having everybody's opinions and takes on there. Again, if you're not already on top of that, make sure to join us after those games. Um, We try to do them as often as we can, usually at least once a week. Sometimes we've been doing them more. Bearcats have been uh, giving us a lot to talk about. So keep in tune with those. And uh, yeah, other than that, just would like to mention that we are the 1012's Cincinnati Arms. So make sure to check out the 1012 podcast as well as the 1012 network to get all of your Big 12 coverage. With that said, and with all the Bearcats basketball against Howard out of the way in season up to this point, we're going to do a little rewind because we didn't have an episode last week uh, throughout Thanksgiving. Steve and I were both traveling. We we're both in Cincinnati, had a lot going on. So we'll just make it quick. You can blame me for that. Do you know So that, that's on me. It's uh, all hand up, Steve. hand up. That's on me. Aziz Bandego is a free man. He walks. Aziz free among us. He walks. It's, it's about time, man. Aziz time. walks. Aziz walks with me. 
How about that man, by the way? Like he came into a hero's welcome being I do you think West kind of just did that just to like get his like little like little yeah. little ovation? Um yeah, and then he sure. came in and instantly swatted a shot um yeah. in the Georgia Tech game. And then um, like we mentioned in the Howard game tonight, uh poured in 12 points, was able to clean up some uh get some second chance points for the Bearcats. He makes our team completely different, Justin. And I'm so excited to see how much better we get just throughout the season with him. Just because we we looked like we looked fine those first four games without him, but with him, the the ceiling changes. Absolutely. And I mean, I uh I forget who exactly had asked about it, um, but they were trying to coin a name for the combination of Aziz and Victor Locken. And I threw out the armory, and I think it's a fitting fitting name for Bearcats basketball history, as well as their duo, because they are very good at blocking shots and it is exciting. And it's nice to just have that paint presence once again, by the way, Justin, did you see what score the uh, ruckus shirts have on them for December for the armory shout out? I did not see. What is it? Cats 90 visitor zero. We should get some royalties on we that. Should. Shirt. Oh, come on. We, I mean, what? No, like I'm pretty, I don't think anybody else was saying cats by 90 before we put it into the world as members of the Barstool account. And so now I think we should just ask, I th- I've got some contacts over there still, you know, they're, they're claim. Yes, exactly. Like we're going to do what the, we're going to do what the Cincinnati compliance department does better than anybody else. You're going to get a cease and desist. <laughs> you guys have back- it. It's fun. Clear out, brother. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do love the armory. I'm a big fan of that. Um, I'm a big fan also, Justin, of Victor Locken playing the four. Like he mm. was, I don't think he hit a three during the Howard game, but started out five or five against Georgia Tech. Which Obviously, was fucking insane, man. Yeah, you were there. Like, Tell me about it. How was what was that game like in person? Being at that game was nuts because it was so nice. Of course, you're expecting like Aziz is gonna be the star of the show, and he very well was, but when you go into that game, you were fully expecting that all of this is just going to kind of be like, okay, Bearcats are going to play Georgia Tech. It might be a track meet. It might be great. It might be ugly. But overall, we're just going to win and move on. But they beat the brakes off of Georgia Tech. Like it, This was like a 40-point game, and it was just an absolute showmanship. Uh, like, there, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It was just beautiful. It was beautiful. And... Victor Locken hit three after three after three. And every time it was just like knowing the Victor Locken that we had last year and into this year, this man went from like pure post presence to he was taking heat check threes. And this is like, I just don't, nobody was ready for it. And it's like, wow. Okay. This is the missing part of his game that if he's not able to like muscle up on everybody in the big 12 to go down low for every single possession every single ball he might really be able to do it out on the three-point line and he gives you a very different dynamic that really rounds out that offense and rounds out his game as well you know of course i think there's still some things that he's going to have to work on but that's a huge addition to his game and if we can rely on that even for one maybe two shots a game that's going to be huge because it really just changes the post presence changes the way that we distribute the ball when you're going in and kicking out of the paint. So I'm very, very excited for that. Um, and again, you know, back to the C's in some of the performances in that game, I think it was just huge to see that missing piece really felt like the rim protection was just missing. It, it, it was non-existent basically for the first four games. Um, and so to play Georgia tech 
and to completely destroy them in all facets and to have such an imposing presence down low, I think was huge. And so now that that gap is filled, of course, we saw against Howard um, very effective for both of them. I hope that we continue to see this moving forward because it really is changing the dynamic. And again, all of this still does not include Jamil Reynolds. And all also, Justin, uh, as we mentioned during the space, Georgia Tech beat a ranked Mississippi State team by eight tonight at home. So, I mean, this Georgia Tech team might be something. Um, this Howard team might be decent, you know, like, I mean, they've got Seth Towns. Um, I've Justin, I've been hearing about Seth Towns since like 2017. I'm pretty sure <laughs> like I'm pr- I, like the Titus and Tate podcast, which uh, I think ended whenever the 2018 season was canceled. Um, they talked about him on that show, Justin, like that's how long that guy's been in college basketball. So, um, I mean, you know, that's just kind of like, I wish that they hadn't done that. And, uh, Wes had some interesting comments after, um, the Howard game, just about how he felt that the game went, but I'd rather have my coach be someone who's, you know, willing to own up to mistakes, say that like, there's things that he tried, um, you know, sat day day at uh, use day day at the end of the game instead of jizzle. Like I'm, right. I'm fine with maybe they like the idea, but maybe it just didn't work in the end. That's why we have film review, baby. That's why you get these things out of the kinks early and still win the game. I right. like to me, winning is paramount. And for this for this basketball team, started five and zero. Justin again, uh, second time in West's tenure that they start five and zero. Um, uh, and then this, this is their best start. I looked it up, Justin. Um, since 2017, 18, they started seven and zero that year. So, yep. um, I mean, you know, and they have a good chance to add another one, uh, on the record. I'm sorry. They're six and zero right now. Correct. I said that seven, six and zero. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they have a chance to add another one on Sunday when they play formerly Lob city, uh, dunk city, Florida Gulf coast university before they go to the dreaded Norwood state. Three Musketeers candy bars. Justin, <laughs> did you get a chance to watch what the Xavier Musketeers did against the Oakland Athletics? No, sorry, the Oakland Golden Grizzlies on Sun on Monday. <laughs> RAP Oakland Athletics, by the way. Um, yeah. no, I did not. I saw basically uh the highlights. Uh I did not get to see like the full on game, but overall, I think this is the year, Steve. I yeah, so you were year. tweeting that out earlier uh, before. Zav- the like the Xavier collapse, but yeah. And that like, I again ask you, have you learned nothing from putting expectations on a team before they get into these big games? But basketball has looked different this year. Why do you, is it a must win game? Are you like completely out on West Miller? If he loses this game, like yeah. what I kind of was walk me through like the thoughts behind the tweets. This shootout is number five. After a stand of four straight losses, this is the fifth shootout without Mick Cronin. This is the fifth shootout post that era. And there has been a huge identity change. And I think for the Bearcats, it's very essential that now that John Brandon is two years out, going on your third season now, out of the picture, you lost those two games with him. You've lost the first two under West. You probably expected to lose the first two under West because you're still trying to figure stuff out. You were hoping to win it last year, but you knew the writing was on the wall and the expectation was against you. It was not supposed to work out in your favor. 
This year, however, I think is a very different situation. And it doesn't just come off the back of upgrading to the Big 12. This all comes off of the back of Xavier having a massive roster turnover. The Bearcats retaining some players. Not necessarily shedding the fat, but getting a little bit more concise with the way that they play ball and making sure that everybody has a complete system, complete positionless ability to play and is able to plug in all the gaps that we've been missing for so many years. And this is one of those things that, again, I come back to. We are no longer a defensive team. That just has to be accepted. You can still have the tough and nasty defense, but it is not the way that it used to be. It is not the expectation. This team plays offense, and this team can score. This team can can consistently do that, and that is the expectation. So no longer are you expecting rock fights. You're expecting to go out and shoot, and you have multiple guys who can do it. Xavier's identity has been exactly that for so many years on end. So if you can go in to Cintas for the first time since 2001 and snatch one away from those greedy little bastards who keep winning games there, you do yourself so many favors. Wes Miller sets himself up for a very long career here because he just needs to do the one thing that he has not been able to do yet and John Brandon has not been able to do yet, and that is win a game against Xavier. That is a huge, huge momentum swing, huge difference in the way that people perceive Wes Miller and his ability to make take this team farther. And it really comes down to that because we're all expecting to get blitzed in the Big 12. We're expecting it's going to be very difficult. But there is still the expectation that you beat Xavier. That is always an expectation. It's not a hope. It is an expectation. If you don't, you screwed up. Do it again next year. Sorry, don't do it again. Don't lose to them next year. Do it next year. And so this is that cycle that you have to break. If you want to prove that this system that you're building is working, you have to put that into motion. And the only way that you do that is to do it against the game that is the game, the one that matters the most out of your entire year. Yeah, so here's one little parallel between the 2001 team and this year's team that I find interesting, Justin. We're wearing the blocks again. And you said something earlier when these jerseys were released that there are no losses coming in these jerseys. So how many, far. Losses do, how many losses do we have in these jerseys so far, Justin? Zero. So I don't know. I also think just, you know, just talking with people and um, I jokingly tweeted, we coming for you at the roll blob pod from the account um, with the picture of day day and the bloody mouth. Um, I love that picture. That is Cincinnati basketball. <laughs> to so me. good. Yes. Uh, and with the blob just you know, hiding back there. <laughs> but um, here's the thing though, Justin, and we'll talk about it more with the blobby boys. We'll talk about it next week. Um, I'm just excited to see no more Jack Nungy for Xavier, obviously. And I think our bigs have an advantage in that game. And as long as, you know, there's always one senior hometown kid that really just lights it up in the shootout. What if uh, our man CJ just decided to come out of the rafters and just start pouring them in, baby? Hey, and this is the thing, man. This is what we've talked about time and again. It's anybody. It's anybody on this roster. I fully believe that there are out of the like eight or nine guys that have been playing a rotation, six or seven of those could be that guy any day. They might yep. not all shoot threes in the same way, but you can sure as hell believe they're going to get you some points. I mean, even tonight we had five 10 point plus scores. You had double digit scores, five of them. You've had that as a consistent thing throughout the season so far. And, you know, again, if you go back to prior seasons, 
all the way through the JB era, all the way through the Mick era. You're always relying on one, maybe two guys. You're going to get 20 points from one. You might get 15 from another, and everybody else is going to give you seven or six. These guys are consistently sharing the ball, sharing the shot load, sharing the workload. You're not having any one volume shooter. And if you do, he's making his shots. He's not shooting it for nothing. And so I think that that is a huge part of our game that has changed and a philosophical identity at its core that has changed for the Cincinnati Bearcats that I am so excited about because it makes us so much more well-rounded. And I really believe that this setup is good and it just needs time to work itself out. And, and again, so far it's working this year. But again, your measuring stick, your mark, your headstone, whatever you want to call it, the thing that you are staring at this entire offseason and this entire non-conference schedule so far is that shootout game. If it was at home, I would be through the roof about this. But because it's away, I'm still pensive, but I still believe it is a must-win game. Has to be. You have to find a way to win it. You're not so, out. And so, I sorry, I didn't cover this before, but I want to cover this very quick. If Wes Miller does not win this game, I am not out on Wes Miller. If Wes Miller loses this game and then loses it again next year, then I'm going to have some problems. But this year, you're still trying to figure stuff out. Xavier is always going to find a way to pull some shit over on you. And it's in Cintas. Mick couldn't even figure that out. So if Mick can't figure that out, John Brandon can't figure that out, Wes Miller is having trouble figuring that out, you have to at least win at home. But do it this year and then do it again next year. Beat them both times. Flip this rivalry, get it back on track. It's still lopsided in Cincinnati's favor. Make sure it stays that way. I have a link for you, Justin. Last time that we beat Xavier at Centos, obviously, 2001. There was a Satterfield on the team in 2001. No. There's a Satterfield within the athletic department again, Justin. Is that all we need? <laughs> Just one connection. And this is where we come unfortunately to football i think we've become a basketball school justin um we talked an hour about football and uh i don't really feel like talking about football for much although uh, as we record the day that was after before us was a pretty interesting day and the last two days honestly for for movement but we were both at the game on saturday night rough end of the season uh to say the least Justin, um, what were your impressions from Saturday and just the season overall? Okay. I'm not going to let today's events mar or change, even in a positive way, my vision of what has happened this season. However, that game was ugly to the teeth. Yeah. Oh, nine yards. Yeah. That game sucked. Yep. And there's no other way around it. You got the brakes beat off of you by a basketball school. I know that Lance Leipold is doing something. And in fact, I was one of the only people who picked the over on Kansas this year. And I firmly believed that Kansas would be good and that last year was not a fluke. However, I did not expect to lose to Kansas at home 49 to 16. That is inexcusable. Especially when it's at the end of the season, it's one thing to do it at the beginning when you're just trying to figure stuff out. And you might have a couple chips, you know, and bumps in the road. 
This is when you, in theory, should have everything figured out. So this should at least be a close game. This should at least be near the spread. The spread was seven points, seven and a half. This was a blowout. And it's just absolutely, and to me, embarrassing for this program to go from where it was to just get the biggest welcome to the Big 12 slap in the face that you could ever imagine and just constantly be kicked down week after week after week. Yep. Now that I've said that, I do believe there's hope. There is hope, and it is only because of Mason Fletcher and Dante Corleone. Continue. Yes, I do want to talk about that real quick, but I do just want to mention, shout out to uh, some of the rally cats I was sitting with. Uh, shout out to you, Justin. I came up to see you. I, I swear I saw most of Cincinnati there. Pretty good crowd, honestly, for last game of the season where, I mean, students were, you know, I mean, I, we'll talk about the students enough. Half full. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I I do kind of wonder if after the Houston win, knowing that they were not going to be bowl eligible, the guys were like, okay, we got our Big 12 win. I don't want to accuse anything, but look at the scores of the last two games. That's all I'm saying. Um, but there, there is some thought that there was some divide in the locker room and um, you know, two big guys for Cincinnati decided to stay in the last two days, Mason Fletcher, the punter, all American and Dante Corleone, another all American. These are two big gets for Satterfield yep. to stay. And, you know, obviously it's hard for punters. Like I, I, I seriously thought Jimmy Smith was going to be able to get a job in the NFL. Like he had, <laughs> he had great success here at UC Maybe it's just harder for Australian punters to get it, uh, get a job in the NFL. So, you know, and Fletch likes it here. So keep, I, I love having him. Um, obviously, Dante is massive. That is a big one. Um, and, you know, you're losing Briggs at the end of this year, just to graduation. You're losing Malik Fan. It's going to be like, it was going to be hard to lose all three of those guys and not get any of them back for next year. Um, I don't know if it says more about, you know, maybe Dante like didn't really get everything he wanted from scouts. I mean, I do believe him though. I, I don't, I don't think he's lying. I think he's genuine in saying that he believes mm -hmm. in the program and he trusts the yeah. process. And like, I, there's no reason to not believe him. He has a heart made of gold and um, I am really behind him. Um, I do think though, and we saw this with um, Fletcher's Mason Fletcher's tweet, where is uh, uh, one of the Smurfs like sweeping out stuff. Um, I want to know what he looked up. Like, does he just look up like broom or sweep? Because, I mean, that is a pretty good gif. I might have given him something else, maybe like the Mrs. Doubtfire one, but that's like yeah. almost too jovial, you know? Right. Um, the Smurf was just like kind of just doing his business, you know? But we do did lose. I mean, we lost some guys who did play here, and we thank Justin. Here's the meme. Thank you for your time. Good luck wherever you go. Unfollow. Move on. Yep. But – Three big names that we did lose over the past two days, Deshaun Pace, Brian Threats, Justin Woodley. Three big recruits from the the fickle era here that are deciding that they want to play somewhere else. And uh, Pace's was interesting. Um, I read Scott Springer's piece that um, it wasn't really his decision. It was more of a business decision. Um, I've heard different rumors about whether that means coaching staff whether that means nil our group chat was going wild today um <laughs> shout out to tom by the way happy belated birthday um <laughs> but justin what what do you think about just like kind of the social media games and also also too zach grant um 
one of the recruiting guys for UC, he quote tweeted Pete Thamel's tweet, and he's like, uh, it, it was later deleted, but like th- he said, the right ones stay with a picture of like the Godfather uh, of Al Pacino as the Godfather, right. stay, like something like that, and, and um, it was later deleted, but. Interesting day on the Twitter webs, Justin. What do you think? I don't know how much stock to put in it, quite honestly, because I think that I think even what Zach said, I think he makes a good point. Like the people that are bought into this program are going to stay. That is, there's no other way to summarize that or go around that. Whether they like them, whether they like the program, this or that, doesn't matter. If these guys want to stay, they're going to stay. If they want to go somewhere else, they have the opportunity to go somewhere else. That's the you know reality in the transfer portal world. And so I think nobody on this team, especially in the era of NIL, with the whole thing that was kind of, you know, you're getting some subtext from Deshaun Pace and Brian Threats as well about, you know, the NIL payment system and all that kind of stuff. You don't have to pay players that you don't want to pay and you don't have to keep players on roster that you don't want to keep. And if anything, if they want to keep playing, they're going to have to go somewhere else. And so I think that it's just, again, comes back to this sort of thing that we talked about earlier in the season with Deshaun pace. And we talk about going forward. It's unfortunate. You lose some guys that have been here a while. You lose some of your Cincinnati guys, but at the end of the day, you have to have people that are bought into your system. And I think that that's a very overlooked thing. And I think that unfortunately, I myself, I will admit that I am happy to admit that. And I have been hoping all season long. I've said this week in, week out. Prove me wrong. Tell me I'm stupid. Show me I'm stupid. Show me that I'm just not bought in and that I'm not paying attention and that I'm really not seeing the vision. We've talked about this over and over and over again. You got to have the guys that are bought in because if you don't have a team operating as a team, you're not going to succeed. If everybody is following one vision, into the absolute mud you still have a unified team and that can do something that can win a couple games but if you have the most talented team that is all over the place and splintered you're still going to lose some games you're still going to encounter some problems you're still not going to build that culture and that thing is going to fall off a cliff real fast and so i think if you're just picking out the weeds and you're just trying to clean everything up and have the roster that you want to have have the guys there that you want to have I think there's a reason that a lot of these seniors stayed that the ones that we wanted and hoped that would stay. And there's a lot of reason why the younger guys who are more bought into fixed system left with him. And I think there's going to be a clear reason why a lot of these guys continue to leave. And some of these other guys continue to stay because they're bought into Satterfield's vision. They're bought into the future of this team. And it's not just about NIL. It's not just about, you know, the program in general, they're bought into him. And so, that I think is going to be huge moving forward. We just have to see how it all turns out, but I wouldn't put too much weight in a few of these guys leaving. I think we can do a lot in the transfer portal and I'm just waiting to see how that all flushes out. But until then pump the brakes, don't freak out. There's a lot of off season left, a lot of off season left. That's right. That's right. But, um, and I want to get more in depth with this on another episode because next couple of weeks we'll be previewing and reviewing um, a certain game called the shootout. uh, And that will take all of our time. And since we have no bowl game to discuss, we will, or no coaching change to discuss. We're going to let football rest for a little bit, but real quick, Justin, I don't know if you saw, um, I retweeted it from the Viva account. Uh, Sean Lee, uh, he is a uh, Bearcat fan, former PR guy. Um, He tweeted something about uh, a clip from Keegan Nickerson. He quote tweeted, 
about how Satterfield, the quote from uh, Coach Satterfield was that he sees the vision. Uh, some of you, some of the people don't see it, but see it the way I see it. But he, mm-hmm. like, and I think we've talked about this, and I agree with Sean. I even tweeted at him. I was like, you know, like the social team, like we know, we both know Shark, Justin. Shark was like, no offense to whoever's running it now, but man, like Shark was special, you know? Yep. And like, she really did like grow a great job with um, the social media team. And even at the start of like just this, the this run for Coach Fickle, we saw right away like those guys practicing at like five a.m. in the <laughs> in the ice in the dirt, you know, um, and just really like grinding away, and it worked. Like obviously, I was in the building for that, but it was like you know, it's a different change. Like we're weeding out the guys. You probably can't do that as much anymore with transfer portal nil all that stuff, but because it's a little bit more professional now, but. like they made sure they had some branding points obviously we make fun of team now but back then that was something you know we make like we still use state of cincinnati like we kind of right had used that already from fickle but uh before fickle but he really like honed in on that um and you know he made sure that we're gonna have the black cats defense and be tough mean and nasty and physical and other than effort attitude and toughness like i just I'm just not like hearing really much. And like, I don't even think Sad has said that. I think that's just kind of like a program thing, maybe like just a strength coach thing. But like, I, I do agree with that Sean guy, Justin, that we need to hear some uh, like concrete vision, like go around Mm -hmm. to TV stations, go around to like, come on our podcast, coach Sat, like give us like the vision. (laughs) Like, honestly, I would like to hear some cliches rather than just, you know, we're working. That's not what Cincinnati football is going to be. What is Cincinnati football going to be to you? I think the fans right. want to hear that. And, you know, there are some fans that you're just not going to win over, especially after a tough year this year. And maybe they're already out on you, especially after what happened at Louisville. But there are people here that still want to believe. Give us a reason to to believe. One of the yeah. responses, though, made me like a little bit more worried about uh, Satterfield's time here um, because – this uh, this re- replier mentioned that uh, Coach Satterfield shows up uh, right right before his radio shows start, won't shake hands. Um, the one I didn't really like have an issue with was that he requests that his wife has a like a front valet spot, which like I don't know. You're the football coach; you could probably yeah. ask for that. That's right. I'm not really that worried about that one, but uh, he's not really ingratiating himself with the fan base, and mm-hmm. like that would look a lot better. If you're, you know, 12 and 0, if like, you know, when Luke Vickle said he didn't have any friends and he didn't go to parties, like you kind of believed him because that's like, right. that, that was the effort he sent off. But, you know, Scott's usually like a smiling, jovial guy during these press conferences. I don't really see like the point of just not shaking hands and kissing babies, especially at a, such a front forward facing event, like, right. like those every week. And where you've got some of your diehards and your boosters coming every week, win or loss, you know? Uh, and that replier to Sean Sweet contrasted it with Wes, where Wes shows up early, shakes hands, takes pictures, signs autographs, like could not be a nicer guy throughout that whole process. And obviously Wes maybe, Miller married to the game. That's right. That's right. Maybe he's got a little bit more of that uh, Roy Williams in him and Scott Satterfield. <laughs> I don't know where you learned from, dog, but North Carolina guys think- figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Scott Satterfield should just spend a day with Wes Miller. Maybe we'll just get the football team doing pennies in the jar too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, like I think 
you know, you make a good point there and, you know, uh, to Sean's credit too, I think that that all makes sense. Like, I think that's one of the most lacking things that Scott Satterfield has is just an ability to communicate his vision. Again, I, I, I go back, I, there was a tweet somewhere a long while ago that somebody said that Scott Satterfield reminds him of a used car salesman. And I hate that. I hate that so much, but it's so true because like, when you think about it, it's like, this is a guy that's just like, kind of like trying to fumble away any single like excuse that he can get to just get you to fight, you know, fucking buy in. And it's not really like anything that's like, Oh, you know, this is a, a genuine connection with you as to why, like this should be a way that things are and that you should believe in this. It's really just, how can I get you to just get on the bandwagon as quick as possible? And I don't think that he's really selling that idea. And I don't think that he's making that connection with the fan base in a way that Wes has done so genuinely. Like Wes has never been anything but himself and he's kept his head down and he's worked hard. And I think people believe in that. And I think there is a genuine juxtaposition between the hires that we've had here too, which I think is a huge thing to look at and that we can go into much depth, you know, much further depth later on. But Wes Miller fits the mold of every Cincinnati hire. He's a young guy who's got a lot of potential that you just need to wait for the whole thing to figure out. Needs a few years, but he turns it into, uh, you know, a machine. Scott Satterfield was on his way out of Louisville. People were asking for him to go. And, and I think that that's really the thing is he has lacked the ability to get rid of that dirty laundry from Louisville. And because of that, he has no goodwill going in. So if you don't have goodwill going in, you have to do a lot of work to build it up. And if you are sitting here and your goal is to be here and the midline is here, you got to do something to just get yourself over the hump. This season, unfortunately for him and unfortunately for the fans, was not it. And there's just no way around that. You're going to have an offseason to try to prove yourself again, but you're going to have to get right and get right fast if you want these people on your side. Because I'm telling you, more than 50% of the fan base wants this guy gone. And they want him gone fast. I don't want Scott Satterfield gone because I know what getting rid of a coach does to your program when you do it too early. However, I want this guy to succeed and I want him to improve. And I want him to laugh in all of our faces when he can tell us that he was right. I want him to be able to do that because I genuinely believe there is an ability for him to do that. But until then... It's not going to be pretty. And so we just need to find that fine line of where Scott Satterfield becomes a great coach and not just this sort of meddling in between. Yep. I completely agree. From uh, one football pitch to the other, Justin, a quick little uh, FU Columbus crew uh, <laughs> for this upcoming Saturday. Justin, um, I don't know about you, but I am filled with existential dread for Saturday because if you lose that game, buddy, you uh, you you can't ever say anything to the other team. But if we win, buddy, I am going to talk a gang of shit on Saturday. So I am excited. It is a very complicated situation here, Steve. And we we don't need to go in the full details, but let's just put it this way. You have your most bitter rival so far in the MLS your absolute most bitter rival in this entire league, and you get them at the highest stakes possible other than playing in 
what would be the like, MLS Cup. They don't have an option. League, yeah. So this is as but, good as it gets. Yeah. And so whoever wins this game has bragging rights for near an eternity until these teams happen to find each other on that bracket again, which is probably not going to happen for quite some time. This isn't like the Bengals and the Chiefs. Like this has a thing to do with seeding and brackets and the way that you line up. There is a lot of magic happening to get these teams to play each other here. And so this carries a lot of weight, especially when you play it in your own stadium. So I am begging, praying, hoping to God, please, FC Cincinnati, win the whole damn thing, but beat the shit out of Columbus. And if you don't beat the shit out of them, win, baby. All you got to do is win. Win and you're in. And you can take this Cincinnati entire city community of people that have been desperate, begging for a championship for nearly 30 plus years, and you can finally give it to them. Just give it to them. Soon, please. And honestly, the thing that would be best about all this, beyond all that, is you can say, as the youngest professional sports team in the city, that you got to the championship, not first, well, you could say that to the Bengals, but you got to the championship and you won the whole damn thing against all expectations. You went from bottom of the league to the top of the league, and that should prove to the Bengals, it should prove to the Reds, that anybody can do it. So go out and do it. Damn right. Damn right. Justin, lead me into the Bearcat Sports wrap-up because I am just fired mm. up now. I also have existential dread, but I'm going to use the fired-up vein right now to fire I'm going to use through. another existential eggs to see we're gonna feel some eggs to see here wow we're gonna take that forward that's cringe anyways this bearcat sports wrap up is brought to you by charlie hustle charlie hustle your great friends over there are providing you with warm cozy and awesome gear all winter long as well as through the spring and summer they've got you covered for everything you could possibly need so make sure to go check out Charlie Hustle at www.charliehustle.com and use the 1012.15, that is 1012.15 promo code to get 15% off of all non-sale items that is good through the season. Please use it. Go check out their stuff. We're still waiting on Cincinnati gear. Steve, wrap us up. Take us home. Quick little Bearcat sports wrap up. Not as many sports playing right now. A couple of them are in off season and we're waiting for spring sports to start, but Women's basketball, shout out to Katrina Murray Mother. They beat Kentucky at the Paradise Jam this past weekend. Massive win for the new staff. Shout out. Always love beating Kentucky. They are hosting Tennessee State this upcoming weekend. Volleyball, they unfortunately dropped their final two matches of the season to Kansas and Iowa State. Great first season, though, in the Big 12 for the volleyball team. Swimming and diving, they are going to separate meets in Greensboro, North Carolina, and Bloomington, Indiana this week. So good luck to the swim and dive team. Also, shout out to Tyler Wirth. Uh, competed in the NCAA cross country uh uh final meet or uh, championship meet so uh congratulations to him a uh, great job for a great fall season to all of our sports teams looking forward to more in the winter season absolutely steve i think there's a lot of good stuff happening in bearcat land there really it might is. not all be happening at the same time it might not all be happening in the way that you thought but damn it there's hope if there's one thing you take away from today, there's hope and be excited because football season is over and you can no longer be negative. It's time to be done with it. I believe, God damn it. I believe. I, I believe, believe that in we Viva. will win. Sports Social Podcast Network.